Socialites and welcome back to the Social Studies Podcast, the podcast where we study being social by being social. Today's episode is brought to you by just, I don't know how else to put this, nuts-ass games that children have made up on their own that make absolutely no sense to anybody but them, and you're watching them play them, and you sit back and you're like, why? Why are you playing this game? Who invented this game? Who gave you permission to play this game? It sure as hell wasn't me. Anyway, that's the topic today. Before we start, just want to give a good a good old shout out to Texas, Texas. Thank you so much for selling out my Texas shows. That was amazing. Y'all are amazing. And I cannot wait to come back and do more shows than Texas. Huge shout out also to San Francisco. But I'm going to be honest with you, haven't done the San Francisco's to shows yet to the point where I am uh, recording this. So let's just pretend like I did. San Francisco. Oh my gosh. The shows were fantastic. Thank you for just, you know, being the best audience ever. And I can't wait to come back. And hopefully next time I can go to Alcatraz. Can we talk about Alcatraz for a minute? That shit's booked out six months in advance. Had I had known, I might have done a little bit of, you know, preemptive planning to get my tickets for the Elkie. And I don't mean alcoholic. I'm trying to go to the trails, baby. Get me on that boat to that old haunted prison. You know, tons of shows coming up still. Get your tickets at mrdtimes3.com to see me in Nashville, Irvine, San Jose, Tempe, Springfield, Missouri. And rounding out the year in Indianapolis. Can't wait to see you guys on the road. MrDTimes3.com. We'll see you there. We're just going to go already. Get straight into these emails. They start off really, really strong. Here we go. Hey, Mr. D. Boy, oh boy, do I have a story for you. I'm a kindergarten teacher. Avi. She said that, not me. The other day, one of my students was running across the playground and he trips. This kid wears glasses sometimes, which come into play very shortly. I wait and I watch him to pop right back up, but instead he's crawling around the ground on all fours looking for something. So I walk over to him. I say, hey, buddy, are you okay? No, my contact fell out. I didn't know that five-year-olds could wear contacts. I'm at a loss here. This kid can't see. I hold his hand and walk him over to the door to go inside to see if maybe he has a pair of glasses in his backpack or something. You have to badge in to unlock the doors. So I position him in front of the door. I hold the handle that has a big ass bar on it. And I scan my card and say, okay, when you hear the beep, pull the handle. Mr. D, he can't find the friggin' handle. There's a good hour and a half of the day left. And I spent the entire rest of the day holding this kid's hand, guiding him around the classroom, helping him find items in his desk. This kid is walking into concrete walls. It's bad. I work the door in the afternoon during pickups. Another teacher holds his hand and brings him out to me. Did you see your mom over there? Of course he did not. So I hold his hand and walk him over to her. And I say, hey, um, I'm sure he's going to tell you, but he lost his contact at recess today. This woman looks at me like I have three heads and says, he doesn't wear contacts. Girl, this kid is committed. This wasn't even like one of those sprains your ankle limps around for 10 minutes before miraculously healing when a friend runs past. No, he was blind. For over an hour and a half, this kid was blind. I have fully lost my ability to 
even. And we're only a quarter into the school year. Not even. Pray to the goddess for me. In return, whenever, if ever, you make it down to Atlanta, I'm going to take you to Mary's and we'll get white girl wasted. Let's kiki. You know what? Save Mary's. We're going to go to Swing and Richard's. Love you. Love the podcast. All the love. Listen, more than anything, I love that this did not adhere to the rules of what this was about. This was about kids making up games, but this is a game of sorts. This was a game for him. He was so committed that he was wandering your classroom like one third of the three blind mice, acting like he had been doing this forever. Unbelievable. But I do have to make a little bit, I have to admit something. This isn't good. This isn't great. I'm not proud of this moment at all by any means, but I will tell you guys, I was about seven and I didn't know any better. Okay. Whenever I'd go to the grocery store with my mom when I was little, my main goal was a game that I made up and it was called embarrassment. Now, I wasn't trying to embarrass myself. I was trying to embarrass my mom because whenever I would like do something in a store, she would be like, do you want me to embarrass you? Do you want me to embarrass you? And I knew how idle that was. Like there was no meat behind her words. I was like, oh, you think you're going to embarrass me? Watch this. So I flipped the tables on her and I would play my favorite game, Embarrassment. During a round of embarrassment one time, we were at the checkout of a grocery store, okay? And I decide that I am going to go fully blind. And I put my hands out like I don't know where things are. And I rip them. You know, there's that that shelf next to you that's got like all the gum and the candy of the magazines. And I just go, whom, and knock them all down. And she is gritting her teeth at me like, Joseph, you better get your ass in the car. And I walked all the way out of the grocery store like that before breaking character. That was probably not a good choice to make. I don't think that was kind of me to my mom or other people. Okay, I'm repenting in advance, anyone. Don't cancel me for that. I was seven, all right? I didn't know what I was doing. I was seven. But kids do do shit like this sometimes. They do do. I said do do, and we're just gonna own it. They do shit like this more often than you would think. One time I had a kid coughing into a Kleenex, coughing, coughing, coughing. This is before COVID, by the way, so I wasn't quite alarmed. And they came up to me and she goes, Mr. D, I think I have tuberculosis. And she had taken her red marker, cracked it open, pulled out the filament. I don't know what it's called. We'll call it the filament and rubbed it all on the inside of the Kleenex and told me she had tuberculosis. I was like, oh, okay. Well, seeing that it's 1850, why don't you just have a seat so I can churn some butter while I use Morris code to contact the secretary to see if she can head down to the general store to get you some aspirin, maybe? What do you want me to do? I could not believe it. Couldn't believe it. Oh, my God. My God. Also, The other funny part about that is it was 100% something I would have done as a kid. 100% would have done that, hands down. Okay, I got plenty of more emails from you guys this week. They are fantastic. But before we do, let's talk about something else. This one's great. This is just, this again, reminds me of me when I was little, who was always making shit up. Hi, Mr. D. 
So this wasn't from students of mine, but actually from me and one of my friends down the street from when we were little. If I had to guess, maybe seven or so. It was at that age where we are completely unaware of anyone else possibly being around or able to hear or even care what we're doing. So you're just in your own little world of play. You understand? We would pretend to be sisters. Then we would pretend that we got lost from each other in some unknown place. We would start walking in separate directions around two flat buildings on the end of our block and call out, sister, 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 repeatedly as we walked around the building. And then once we spotted each other, we both rounded the building. We would scream, sister, sister, in a total way that sounded like relief and very realistic because we found each other after being lost and separated. And we would run to each other and give each other a giant hug of gratefulness and say things like, I couldn't find you. Where were you? I thought you were lost forever. And then we would do it again. And we would do it again. So stupid. I can't imagine what our neighbors living in the two flat thought about us running around yelling sister over and over again. I don't know why. This reminds me of when I was around the same age, too. I had two girls in my class who for sure were convincing me that they were witches. Like straight up, they were like, we're witches. We do witchcraft things. Like we have so much magic. And I was like believing this shit. Like we would pass like a dead flower and they'd be like, I put magic on that to make it die. This is around the time of practical magic too, which is where I'm guessing they probably got their diagnosis of psychosis. Anyway, I remember one time specifically, the swing was going back and forth like crazy. And she turned to me, she goes, whoa, look at my magic. I'm using so much of it right now. And I turned and I literally saw the kid hop off the swing. And I was like, you're not a witch. This is ridiculous. But did that stop me from going to the library and checking out every book about witches that I possibly could just to make sure that they weren't? It did not. I was not unconvinced. Mr. D, the man, the myth, the hotel sheet wearing legend. I love your podcast. I love you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I love you too. It's important to note that I have been a middle school teacher for nearly 10 years now, so most of what I experience is just chalked up to an absolutely normal day. I'm not sure if this qualifies as a made-up game or not, but I did have a rather eccentric group of students a few years ago. A handful of them were convinced that they were an animal. Can I just pause for us? Okay, then she says, the fan favorite was a boy who believed he was an owl. I don't know what it is, but I swear to God, every school in the United States of America has at least one kid who not only believes that they are an animal, but they act out and straight up be that animal each and every day. Had a kindergartner last year who would wear a tail to school every single day. The parents encouraged me to allow him to eat without his hands. This is not a this is not wolf school ma'am, okay? He's going to use his hands, and this tail isn't going to be a problem when other kids start to realize that you can't just wear a tail all around the place. I'm all about be unique, be yourself, do the things, right? But this whole, like, I'm an animal thing, I don't know. I'm not down with it. I've had multiple students wear cat ears. Don't get me started on the cat girls. I pissed off the cat girl one time. She hissed at me I about shook a can of pennies in her face to make her behave or got the spray bottle out to just get that cat under control. 
because I was fearful that I was going to get cat scratch fever from her. Anyway, she goes on. We would regularly review for tests and quizzes using a website called Kahoot. Yeah, girl, I know what Kahoot is. Muggles, if you don't know what Kahoot is, it's like a quizzing game thing for the internet that you can use in your classroom. And it's got a very catchy little tune. Which, by the way, you guys, if you type up in Kahoot Trap Remix, it's fantastic. It'll make you want to go to Coachella. The game would become quite competitive as students earned points for not only answering answers correctly, but for how speedy their answers were. To make matters worse, every time the correct answer is revealed to them, the system plays this loud-ass gong noise as if we're collectively visiting the emperor of friggin' China. (laughs) It does. It really does. It really does. I'm not sure at what point things started escalating, but my students quickly started to become very frustrated by their incorrect answers. One by one, the gong would chime. They began crying out in distress, but in their chosen animal voice, actually. By the end of class, I had several teachers drop by my room, including the school resource officer, to, quote, make sure everything was all right around here. Of course, I responded by leaving my room wide open and turning the volume of my ceiling speakers up to the absolute max. My room was erupting with loud-ass gong sounds followed by a garden variety of angry-slash-dying animal noise every minute or so for nearly 45 minutes. I was dying, but certainly my colleagues were less thrilled than I was. Kids are so fucking weird, and that's why we love them. We can admit, you guys, that they're weirdos. Like, when I say that, sometimes online people are like, uh, you're diminishing the existence of children. No, I'm loving who they are. It is okay to admit that children are so dumb that it is hysterical and amazing because they're learning and they don't know that that shit's weird. So they just do it. And it is so hilarious. The reason why I love being a teacher is because it reminds me so much of what it means to be a child. They're uninhibited. They have no fear. They just do. They just be a human. And it's beautiful. And it's so weird and it's hysterical. And I absolutely love it. That Oh, that was a good one. Hey, y'all. Last year, full COVID year, my second graders made up a game called Catch a Fart. When they would hear someone near them fart, they would jump up and make a closed ball shape with their hands trying to actually catch the fart. Now, some kids, I'm pretty sure, I'm not, I don't know this for sure, so do not quote me in like any medical journal or anything, but I'm pretty sure you can get covid Anally. Let's just put that there. I don't think anyone needs to be playing with anyone else's farts. Now, some kids would be near the kid who farted, but others would be across the room and hear it and jump up to catch the other kid's fart. We were spaced out exactly 18 feet apart because let's be real, six feet in elementary school. Who are we kidding? I just kind of think that kids' farts were super exciting for some reason and they couldn't smell them through their masks. So why not just catch it? After a while, I had to put a stop to this because hello, it was hella distracting while I was trying to teach. No field trips, no games at the carpet, no having partners, no class rotations or small groups in 2020. So the most exciting thing that these kids had to do in their second grade year was to catch each other's farts. Muggles, listen, 
teaching in these COVID times is next level psychotic. Next level. They literally, the, the principal will come in and check to make sure that everyone's six feet or more, in this case, apart, right? And you just have to perform some bibbidi-bobbidi bullshit and make it work, designers. Let me tell you, never every year as a teacher, I feel like a circus ringleader. Never in my life have I felt more like the ringleader than when you teach during COVID. I should be standing up there in a red tuxedo with tails, right? And a top hat with a ribbon dancer in one hand and a megaphone on the other conducting these children. That is the level of edutainment that you have to present to these kids to get them to do things. I was teaching kindergarten last year and there were times where I was just like, you know what? It's sit under your desk day. Just so they could get excited about not having to sit in their seat, they'd be under their desk watching me do whatever friggin' PBS show style lesson I had to whip out of my asshole the night before. That is what teachers are going through right now. Do not get your teacher anything for Christmas other than three things. One, a bottle of wine. Two, just tip them. Just give them cash. Put it on a Visa gift card. Just give them that money. Let them get what they really want. Three, the holiday merch that we're coming out with <laughs> because it's friggin' great. I'm giving out flare pen cases for teachers that say teachers have all the flair. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to get a teachers have all the flair, flare pen case, stuffed with flare pens. You're going to put, you know, an airplane bottle of wine in there. And also the Visa gift card. There you go. Boom. They'll love you forever. Trust me. It's necessary. Okay, here we go. Here's another one. My students used to play a game called Baby. So cute, right? No. One kid would lay on his or her back. I love it that it's his or her. We're all having babies in second grade. All right. One kid would lay on his or her back on the balance beam and pretend to deliver a baby. It was insanely vivid. They were screaming things like, I don't want medicine. I'm a strong woman. <laughs> While another kid pulled one of our giant checkers out from their shirt. They'd also throw wood chips around like it was blood shooting at them. One day, this game caused one of our pregnant teachers to turn green and she had to go inside. I have to be honest with you guys. I had about 15 submissions that all had to do with kids playing baby or pregnancy or I'm experiencing pregnancy and having a baby. That, if that isn't the most amazing thing you've heard, then I don't know what's happening. But we love, <laughs> we love imaginative play. That's great. I had another woman on um, Instagram and she said during like imaginative play time, they would it's not called imaginative play. What do you call it in pre-K? There's a name for it. Dramatic play. Dramatic play. There we go. Dramatic play. This teacher told me that one time when students were in a dramatic play center, they were playing house and there was a fridge and the kid went up to the fridge and he said, this is the fridge. This is where the keg goes. <laughs> that, that is amazing. One time, um, I remember this. 
in kindergarten, we had to draw pictures of what we did over the summer. I drew a picture of my dad peeing in the woods because we went to the woods and he peed in the woods. And I that was probably one of the first times I saw someone pee outside. And I thought it was amazing. <laughs> Kids are weird. Oh, wow. Hold on to your shorts for this one, Colleen. It's about to get friggin' crazy. Hi, Mr. D. I'm a huge fan and recently saw your stand-up show in Portland. Well, thank you so much. I was dying laughing with my new kinder team, and it was great bonding experience for all of us. I recently moved to Portland from Texas, where I also taught kindergarten. This is where I witnessed something during recess that I'm pretty sure was a messed up game that the kids were all playing. I was monitoring recess along with my coworkers. I started to hear chanting coming from about 15 to 20 kindergartners. It started growing louder, louder, and louder, but my ears could not quite decipher what they were saying. When we got closer, I realized that they were gathered around a bunch of other students chanting, butt cheeks, butt cheeks, butt cheeks, over and over again. When they saw me get closer, they sort of spread out at like little ants just disappearing from the group. I could not believe what I heard, and I asked a couple of them, what were you just doing? And they giggled, and they all said, it's just a game, and ran away. But they could not provide any details to me. I asked and asked, but nothing. The next day, on our way to recess, I heard myself say a sentence that I never thought I'd have to say before. Friends, we are not going to play butt cheeks today. (laughs) That, okay. There's two things you need to know about teaching kindergarten. One, if they start chanting, you're done. You're probably going to die. If they start chanting, text your loved ones, okay? Because when kindergartners chant, nothing good comes from that. Nothing good comes from that. But you're lucky that they were just chanting butt cheeks because one time, I wasn't teaching kindergarten, but I don't know if I ever told you guys this. I always wanted to teach kindergarten, but the majority of my career was in fourth and fifth grade. So I would spend as much time down in kindergarten as I could to kind of like build a little bit of resume to prove that that's what I wanted to teach. So I would offer to spend my prep on recess with the kindergartners and whatever it was. They were chanting, scoop the poop, scoop the poop. They were digging holes in various places of the playground and encouraging other kindergartners to poop in the hole that they just scooped. That's real. That happened. I was alarmed. One of the poop holes was in the school garden to which I made sure nobody ate any of those vegetables or else they might get E. coli. Scoop the poop. And they invented this game in not COVID times where they had other things to do. How about that? I know Clarissa explains it all, but explain that, Clarissa. I don't think you can. Here's another one. Here we go. Currently, a wild game that my first graders are playing at recess is called Cheese Police. Basically, they just run around and find out if people like cheese. Any kind. Gouda, cheddar, Swiss, doesn't matter. And then they put you in jail if you don't. The only way to get out of jail is if another cheese lover breaks you out. Who doesn't like cheese? All the best. Okay, listen, honestly, who doesn't like cheese? You guys don't know this because of editing, but while while I read this, I had to take a quick break, go down to the fridge, and just 
rip off a hunk of cheese and eat it. That's how much I love cheese. Cheese is my love language. Cheese is its own food group on the pyramid. It's not in the dairy section. No, it's its own group. That's how amazing cheese is. At any moment you come into my house, I guarantee I have at least seven different cheeses in my fridge. And I will serve them to you. And I will serve them to you gladly. And I will tell you all about them because you best believe I don't just get my cheese from the regular grocery store. I go to a cheese monger and I let them give me the history of some of these cheeses. And then I buy them and bougially tell my friends about the cheeses that I'm providing for their taste buds. That's the level of cheese that I love. Other people come for me. They say craft singles are not cheese. I say, I agree with you, but never in my life have I had a more American lunch. A grilled cheese sandwich dipped that shit in some Campbell's tomato soup? Is there anything more heartwarming than that? No. You're going to think you're at your Mima's house on a Sunday. That's how good that shit is. All right? Calm down. I feel like if anyone is the cheese police, it should be me. And you know what I'm going to tell your class too? If you say you don't like cheese, you're not going to jail. You're going to my kitchen and I'm going to make a charcuterie board with you and teach you about the difference between a brie, a goat's crumble. It's actually not called a a goat's crumble. It's called the chef if you're nasty. I'll even teach you about an aged cheddar and how it should have crystals in it, right? And then if you're lucky, I'll make you a Kraft Singles grilled cheese with some Campbell's tomato soup after. You can call me Mima if you'd like. Oh, this one's great. This goes back to imaginative player. Why do I keep calling it that? What's it called again? Dramatic play. Dramatic imaginative play. I love it. Here we go. Hey, Joe, love listening to your podcast. I listen to it during my prep period and always end up being a crazy person who is laughing out loud when she's sitting in a room by herself. Sorry about that, girl. Anyway, I saw your post about weird games that students invented and had to share this one with you. It's one of my favorites. This past year at a yard sale, I was able to find a really nice dollhouse and thought it would be perfect for the classroom. I couldn't find any people figures for it, but I was able to find a Peppa the Pig set that I thought the kids would like. The house was an instant hit with my preschoolers. Yeah, everybody loves Peppa Pig. And whenever we would have free play, they would all run over to the pig house to play. I thought that it was so sweet and innocent, and they all loved playing in the pig house. Until one day, oh, that's when it all starts. I walked over when they were playing, and I heard them ask if they wanted to play Honey with George the Pig. I was very confused by what this game was, so I told them that I needed to watch first. Worst idea ever. Honey George was a game where poor George the pig would get himself into some kind of trouble and be sentenced to a timeout in the toy oven. Then Mama Pig would walk into the kitchen and ask what that burning smell was, and Peppa had to try and pull George out of the oven before he became bacon. (laughs) If she was too late, they had ham for dinner that night. I don't know if I should be mortified about their choices of time or should I be impressed 
With their knowledge of where bacon and ham comes from, let's be real, that's amazing. Either way, conversations were had with parents that day that were super awkward, but also got a lot of giggles. It should also be noted that the dollhouse went away very quickly. Sorry for such a long email. Again, I love the podcast. I am hoping that I'll get to see you live sometime soon. Listen, do not apologize for that long email. This is what I'm talking about. I love when you guys give me detail, detail, detail. That is absolutely the best. That's what I want. This is hysterical. We should probably do an episode on just imaginative play. Damn it, dramatic play. But I feel like we just did. Kids are, they turn Peppa Pig into bacon in your class. They turn Peppa Pig's husband, is it his husband? Honey George? I don't know. They stuffed his ass in the oven and cooked him like a wood fire pizza. Can you believe that? And then she had to come to his rescue. And if he was cooked, they straight up turned Hannibal Lecter on his ass and digested him. Kindergarten is the best. I'm sorry if you can't do it because those who can kindergarten, they can. I can kindergarten. You can kindergarten. You can pre-K. That's amazing. Yo, one again, let you guys know that Patreon is how we keep the podcast going. I am so thankful for all of the Patreon fans who join us. You can get in there, get bonus content, tons of perks, but most important, you're helping the podcast out that you listen to and you hopefully love. So thank you to our newest Patreon members. Jamie File, Brianna Owen, Julie Tobiesman, and Clarine Espinoza. Thank you guys so much. You guys can become a Patreon member too at patreon.com slash patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash And hey, listen, I love giggling with you. I love laughing with you. I love having a good time with you. You guys deserve to laugh. Laughter is the best medicine and it will make you feel better. Don't let this be the only laugh that you got in you this week, okay? Go hang out with your funniest friend and just enjoy those belly laughs. It'll also help you grow some abs if you need them, but you don't. Because <laughs> Lord knows I don't right now. Anyway, I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Social Studies Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you.